0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Adrian Batra is with us, editor in chief of the Toronto Sun. Hello, Adrian.
1: It's a great day for talk radio, John.
0: Thank you for that, Adrian. Mike Van Solen,
2: principal at Navigator. How's it going? I'm doing great, John. Great to be here.
0: Thank you. And Kim Wright, principal with right Strategies. You know, it's a good day. It's a great one. It's
3: a, it's a really good day. You know, it's good. It's one of those things where we all take a moment, take stock, we'll talk about it, but, uh, you know, figure out what you're doing with your life and get on with it.
2: Diana. Wow, you go we're going, di- we're going Wait, deep we're going deep. We're
1: going deep. That was <laughs> so I'm all, profound.
3: I'm all about the going deep on this. I mean look. That's what she said. Oh, oh.
2: wow.
3: I was Sorry. I was trying. I was trying to elevate the conversation and Batcher drags
1: us back down. Well, I don't know. I think you kinda of started it. <laughs> I Wasn't gonna let that giant ball hang out there.
0: Wow. Uh, all right. Well, you know, uh take two. Uh,
3: Hi, John. The mics happy are on. Monday. Happy,
0: happy. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, I don't know what you were referencing, but I can only guess has something to do with uh, when tragedy befalls, we take stock. And uh, think that they're but for fortune, and so we have much to be thankful for. Am I all around the net?
3: That is exactly it. Two points like Kobe would do. uh,
0: Yeah, I I divine that. uh, I'm a mind reader. Well, the Kobe thing, here's the interesting aspect. I mean, as people are lionizing him and eulogizing and all the rest, you saw maybe the Grammys (coughs) last night, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that there was a special tribute, uh, Alicia Keys and... uh, Anyway, the boys to men, rocking it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boy, there were a lot of dirges last night. In general, eh? torch songs. Anyway, but uh, notwithstanding all of that, is it appropriate in the context of uh, people, you know, talking his accomplishments and so on, to bring in, insert into the discussion the sexual assault case in two thousand three, some of the nasty. Internal fights with Shaq and uh, with Magic Johnson being edged out and the general manager became, well, was Kobe's agent, you know, dwelling on some of the negative, just a balanced overview uh, over the arc of his career. Uh, Adrian Batters, is that fair dinkum or do you just at this point uh, bask in the glow of the halo that he cast?
1: I think you can actually do both. I don't like what a particular reporter from the Washington Post put out in terms of a a new analysis on the settled alleged rape case that he had been accused of. I I thought that was tacky to do it on the day that he died. And I think that there is a necessity to talk about the total man, who he was, because Kobe Bryant was a very different person. Person out of the NBA, then, and you know, he became an entrepreneur, really tried to show himself to be a family man. It was very committed to his four daughters um, and his wife. But I think there's a need to talk about it, but you don't dwell on it on the day that the man passed so tragically with his daughter in that helicopter and seven other people so I do find that a bit gauche I remember when Mayor Ford passed and another radio station in this city had a commentator go on literally within an hour of it being announced that he had passed and just excoriated the, the the former mayor and and I just thought this is this is not the time. There's plenty of time to have this analysis. There's plenty of time to have that uh, scrutiny, but that wasn't the time. And I feel the same way um, for those that do that with Kobe Bryant. All right,
0: so no shade while the body's still warm, Mike.
2: Well, that's right, and uh, and I do think it is a time to think about uh, you know, and I I hope someday should I pass, you know, people take the time to uh, think about the positive things I've I've done in my life and not not the less than positive ones, but Speaking of Colby, in that time, it is such a tragedy. the The fact that his daughter, you know, died with him. Uh, other kids were on the helicopter as well. It just seems, I think, the decent thing to do is to take the time to reflect on the the people on that helicopter, uh, the positive things they contributed. Um, but you know, I am a fan of history, and I think there's a time and a place where you know the full story needs to be told. Uh, certainly, uh, you know the sexual assault allegations, and I don't know the uh, the, the cut and thrust of it all. Uh, but you can't uh, take that away from the story of the man if when you're doing a proper sort of uh, uh, analysis of all that. Uh, for sure, that somehow can't be uh, written out of the history books. It is part of uh, part of. Uh, his story
0: well let me ask if uh and i don't know what it is maybe i'm not as emotionally invested in celebrity or even athletes no matter their accomplishments uh but it seems to be bordering on idolatry uh is it somehow maybe out of proportion over the top do you get that phenomenon that social phenomenon where you know i guess we first saw it with princess diana back in 97 and that was incessant that went on for like 10 days And I just I wondered about the proportionality of something like that. Uh, What am I missing here, Kim Wright?
3: I don't think you're missing it. And one of the interesting things is we saw the 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 blowback on the reporter and a couple of other people who had the you know who decided to go and speak about the uh, rape sexual assaults uh, allegations. Uh, They were receiving death threats on their social accounts. They had to shut them down. And I think that. When you start to see that pendulum swing and that mob mentality, it gets, it gets, you know, too much for everybody. Everyone needs to pause and take a breath and take stock of uh, who they are in that moment. Uh, One of the things I find interesting about the evolution of Kobe Bryant, uh, certainly post his retirement, it really is the second act. He was trying to atone for a bunch of things, trying to be a better person, better family man, better friend. Uh, We saw yesterday there was a um, he had reached out to Shaq's son earlier in the day, just you know checking in. How you doing? Like really just trying to see this has an evolution of a person, which hopefully, I mean, we've all, we all make mistakes, whether they're on the grand scale that he made them, probably not. Uh, but you know, people make mistakes, they make atonements, they figure it out. And ultimately, uh, as I said on my social media accounts, when you, when you, when you start to look at the totality of your life, uh, if you're not if you, if you can't think that you're gonna be proud of the life you're living, uh, if, it's, if it's taken away tomorrow, uh, maybe make some changes in your life. And well, I, I think did, that's what that Kobe was, was doing.
0: All right, so, uh, but Adrian, how do you account for the hero worship? I'm just trying to look at it dispassionately. I'm not sneering at it or anything. I, I, maybe I don't understand it. What is it that prompts people to get so involved and enveloped in somebody? I mean, yeah, he was a great athlete and his accomplishments and what he did was exemplary insofar as being a good family man. But boy, uh there is something akin to idolatry here. What's that about?
1: Well, I think it's not dissimilar to what you've seen with other athletes when they've passed. I mean, when Roy Halliday died so tragically just a few short years ago, you know, there's that hero worship of him as well. I think there's A notion of someone who comes into your living room to entertain you and you get so passionate about what they were doing. Kobe Bryant entered the NBA when he was 17 years old, directly out of high school and and into what has been a storied NBA career. It's extraordinary, record-breaking. And people got invested in that. The city of L.A. was invested in that. I will mock celebrities constantly because I think they're ridiculous. But there was a nostalgia for a lot of them being at the Grammys last night because it was in the Staples Center. And that's where he played. That's where he played for 20 years, his professional NBA career. So there's memories of that. And I think you don't put them, you don't vaunt them that much that you, you, you know, are idealizing them. But you recognize and you remember the things that they did for you in a part of your life maybe he won a game that you made a bet on and it made you happy. I mean it sounds sounds trivial but there's a connection that people have. And and he did contribute to the game. He started um the 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 Black Mamba basketball organization. So many young girls got to play and are playing because of him. So so there is that uh, notion that he was doing so much more than just, you know, being a ball player.
3: And they referred to the Staples Center as the house that Kobe built, really likening him to, you know, the greatest players of of sports history. You know, your 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 Babe Bruce, etc. And for them to be at the Grammys last night at the Staples Center uh, on the backdrop of uh, a, a tragic event. Although we'll, we'll see, you know, should they have been flying all of those things doesn't matter. The reality is, uh, these, these families are devastated. These, these young women who had so much talent and, and, well, that's the tragic
0: component that's, uh, I and guess, he's only 41, right? Right. right. And that's the 13 a year old daughter and her friend and, uh, Mike, you wanted to add?
2: Yeah. I just think, uh, to your point about the way he was lionized and, you know, are they going too far? I do think we do that probably a bit in culture where we just, we go too far, um, and, and it goes both ways where, you know, on a day like this, we lionize Kobe Bryant's record, you know, probably more than, uh, you know, I'm not sure that it all made sense to me. You know, I'm not pretending to be a, a, a real close follower of the NBA. Um, but at the same time, we also do it the other way, where I think a society will jump on people on, on you know, who've had a bad day and will go all completely over the top in, in that regard too. So uh, maybe to your point, do you need to kind of keep it all in balance and keep, you know, if, if we're going to have these moments as as a culture and and decide whether someone was great or terrible um some context of their whole life is important but you know it again it's tricky to surface it with everything that's going on
0: it's like what Brando said, playing Mark Anthony, he I Caesar, will there come another? Anyway, uh, <laughs> let me ask you, Adrian Batra, you know, on this sexual assault thing that, uh, you know, is kind of murky and some people had the temerity to bring it up. Uh, as you said, Kim, some got death threats. There was a woman opining on CNN and uh, that she opened that door. I was frankly surprised. Some people are saying, you know, in uh, that was 2003. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 2018-19, Does he get uh, looked at differently during the Me Too phase?
1: Hmm. Well, that's an interesting question because the accusations that came against him not only were serious, but then they ultimately settled. Right. And so that sort of always raises a question mark, you know, paying her uh, money in order to settle and, 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 and whatnot and what could have come out of it. I don't know if he gets um, scrutinized any differently because of the accusations coming well before sort of the broader conversation around Me Too. But that is certainly um, a very, un, I, don't even, I don't know the right word, but a really dark period of time for in Kobe Bryant's um, history. And it's right there for everybody to read. It's right there for everybody to see. When my sports guys, and we had a number of columns and pieces today in the paper, and we will and, and tomorrow as well, talked about him. They did mention that. They did talk about the fact that this this actually um, surrounded and circu- circled his life for a very long time. Um, but I don't think that it's going to take away from what the value that he, I feel he brought to so many other people's lives.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, you know, in terms of rehabilitating one's image or legacy, hey, we talked to Peter McKay earlier this uh, program, <laughs> and you know, there are some who still uh, hold him in contempt within the conservative ranks because of the the feeling of betrayal with David Orchard, you might recall, back in the the day when the party was fragmented, and then uh, you had the Reform Alliance rump, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I asked him about defeating uh, the Liberals and what that would take. Uh, he basically said it would have to; they'd need to uh, modernize the Conservative Party, and uh, by that, I guess, uh, dwelling on uh, a set of values. So as far as I understood it anyway, I mean, what is your take, Kim Wright? Peter McKay, I mean, he's the putative leader now, uh, unless Aaron O'Toole can mount something of consequence. You know, some people are even saying, well, he's yesterday's man. Uh, That's why Jean Charest didn't get into the race. Uh, He was being dismissed as such as well. Uh, What is your sense? Does McKay have whatever it takes, the right stuff to defeat the Liberals, first of
3: all. I think everyone's looking for somebody to have that royal jelly. Um, I watched the launch of Peter McKay's campaign on the weekend. I thought it was okay. I, I thought it wasn't somebody who... I have listened to Peter McKay give some burn-burner speeches in my, in my time. In fact, he opened for Andrew Shearer at their last uh, uh, convention in, in Halifax. Open for him. Open for him <laughs> but it was like, you know, ACDC opening for the Rolling Stones and blowing the roof off the place. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things uh that with with uh with being the front runner heavy is the crown peter's got a lot of things in his in his uh background when he was justice minister when he was leader uh how he didn't handle uh his breakup uh politically and otherwise with belinda stronic very well
0: you think that's gonna haunt I, him
3: i think i think there are things oh, just that,
0: a tawdry I th- little I think episode there,
3: i think there are things that niggle at people that peter needs to address and here's my free advice after 30 years in politics if you are a leadership candidate or contemplating be a leadership candidate, it's it's a lot of work. And stop giving the BS, Miss America, I want to help people and do good for my country. Why do you want to do this? Because it is a tough slog for the next decade of your life. And if you can't convince yourself that you want to do this, you don't have a hope and heck of convincing Canadians. And I have yet to see a narrative coming out of any of the conservative leadership candidates and... I really want them to be better about this. I have not seen a narrative that says, yep, let's go. And I ta- uh, talking to a number of my conservative friends, they haven't particularly seen it either.
0: All right. Well, uh, there's still time to sort of, uh, I guess, rally around uh, a certain cause. And uh, June 27th is when this thing gets contested. How about you, Mike Van Solen? Can he re-energize the conservative party to appeal to swing voters? He talks about modernizing it and uh, standing on a series of values.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Peter is saying a lot of the right things. Um, this this race is still coming together, and and I, I'll just say that I think uh, this is taking nothing away from Peter or Aaron. Uh, you know, the race isn't as as uh, is strong for not having more people in it, but that's the reality where we find ourselves in. Uh, as for Peter, I think he has a lot to offer the 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 Conservative Party and its members. Uh, Everybody likes Peter. Uh, he he held uh, very serious portfolios in the Harper government. Um, I, I think he's personal. He's telegenic, which which matters in this uh, day and age. Uh, beautiful family. And so uh, I think his job is to do a bit of uh, some work now to understand exactly what are modern conservative values. Uh, it's more than just getting past uh, some of the social conservative uh, challenges that Andrew Shear had. And I think he has to express it in a way that connects... Uh, First with conservatives, but then also with the general public. Mm-hmm. Like What does that mean? What does offering greater freedoms mean? What what does unlocking free enterprise mean? And I think expressing that in a value proposition way that more, more voters uh, will get in the next election.
0: All right. Uh, yeah. Not only for the individual, but a sense of community. That's something he expounded on. But, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, he doesn't speak French well enough. Mm-hmm. Is that... Basically, uh, the real litmus test now, whether or not be, beca- your French, your proficiency in French disqualifies you right out of the gate.
1: Well, I don't think it should disqualify you, but it should be something that he needs to address and he needs to work on. And he's acknowledged that. He said, you know, I've been in in the private sector for a number of years now, um, working, you know, unilingual. So it's hard for me to to keep up with that. And that's a fair assessment. But it is absolutely something he needs to do. You can't discount, you know, a quarter of the country that speaks French. You have to be able to communicate with them. I mean, it's the other official language in this country. So that is certainly a hiccup. As far as sort of the other things, you know, the infamous picture of him in the overalls with the dog when Belinda Stronick dumped him to go cross the floor to Paul Martin and save his government. Um, But, you know, all of that, you know, there's an element of where you we saw that, you know, all when it happened is sort of like, oh, my God, like, this is pathetic. Sort of fast forward to twenty twenty and sort of now you think, oh my god, he's a bit sensitive. That actually might work. Now, the challenge he has in terms of the photo ops with the F thirty five, a few other things, I think those are those are explainable things away. Um We don't know if it's going to be Justin Trudeau that he's going to be up against when the next federal election rolls around. So I think those are also important calculuses that the the Conservative Party members have to consider. And I will only say one other thing. He has um, already got a number of broad-based support from across the party. He's got support from the reform arm, which everybody expected would just automatically go to Aaron O'Toole. Uh, He got Monty uh, Solberg, who is... You know, an old stalwart in the reform at leg of the party. Mm-hmm. If he were able to secure a couple of others, like perhaps from Jason Kenney or even Brad Wall, those are positive steps in the right direction. But to be sure, Peter McKay, to Kim's point has so much work to do. They all do. And Aaron O'Toole announcing today, you know, he's um, had a very slick launch. I thought it was quite impressive what Aaron O'Toole um, had to say today as well. What's his value proposition? Well, I think, you know, Aaron is, you know, he served our country, and I think everybody respects that. He served in the portfolio of Veterans Affairs Minister for a very short period of time before the Harper government was ultimately defeated in 2015. But in that short period of time, was able to accomplish a couple of things. But that portfolio is one of the hardest to ever, ever contend with. But um, just in terms of our veterans uh, veterans getting um, certain payments, he expedited that through the bureaucracy. Uh, But he was there for six months or eight months. So that's challenging. He adds another component um, and another. I don't know. I don't know if excitement's the right word. But <laughs> he is him, a fresh face. But he's another person that you know uh, emulates um, what Justin. Everything Justin Trudeau was not. Well, and yeah. so that might just be good enough to, for a certain segment of the party. I wonder if it will
0: be because I think probably uh, this time around it's important to run for something rather than against something or someone. There's that. maybe. And, and the other thing is whether or not Aaron O'Toole being a fresh face where uh, Canadians are not familiar with him, would that help him or hurt him,
2: Mike? Well, uh, the first race is for the Conservative leadership, of course, and he came in third. So, uh, uh, you know, of that group, uh, you know, uh, Max is gone, Andrew's gone. So in, in some respects, the Conservative Party will know him well. Um, I do think it is an opportunity. You, you can only look at it as an opportunity uh, to sort of brand yourself and introduce yourself to more people through this process, which he's definitely going to get to do. He's a really good communicator. He has a great background, uh, solid family family story, uh, work in the private sector in, in the Army forces um so he's a compelling figure and we'll see how it pulls together it's just a real challenge to kind of try to uh grade how this is going to go when there's potentially really just two candidates i mean in in this race this race is designed to have a number of candidates and and you know go down ballot like who's your first it's preferential ballot Mm. um but in a world where there's just two uh,
0: well that's how they ended up with andrew shear the last time
2: no, I know. I, I get that. But still I think if there was more people in the race, I mean that's that's what that sort of balloting system is really designed to, to deal with. Sure it <laughs> it's not really meant uh, for one and two.
1: They're gonna have oh gosh, I suspect by what all is said and done. Because they actually put the financial thresholds pretty high, which I think was the right move. Three hundred million, um, right. Yeah. That that's that's pretty tough to to slog. Uh and that they're not finance. Uh, yeah, and then and, and I think they're gonna have at least ten